Hello, Hi Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the Gospel of Luke, and today we're going to see three kind of moments of teaching or parables that are kind of compressed together. And I think they all fit together in a way, but we'll, we'll see about that in just a moment. So we're in Luke chapter 8, verses 16 through 26, where we read this. No one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought into the open, and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are standing outside and they want to see you. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and started out. As they sailed across, Jesus settled down for a nap. But soon a fierce storm came down on the lake. The boat was filling with water and they were in real danger. The disciples went and woke him, shouting, Master, Master, we're going to drown. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. Suddenly the storm stopped and all was calm. Then he asked them, Where is your faith? The disciples were terrified and amazed. Who is this man, they asked each other. When he gives a command, even the wind and waves obey him. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Dave, uh, I, I have a theory that these uh, things are all connected here. And in order to explain that, I need to uh, just give a little background for everyone on the, the different Gospels. Mark, in his Gospel, he's writing to largely a Roman audience, and he focuses in on the action. He uh, A lot of the teachings are compressed or sometimes even absent. He's much more interested in what Jesus did than what Jesus said, though that's there as well. Matthew is kind of on the other end of the spectrum. Matthew is so uh, so focused on Jesus's teaching that they're like the gospel can be divided into distinct blocks of Jesus's teaching. He's very focused on what Jesus uh, taught, especially how it connects to what Moses taught in the in the Old Testament. Luke is not somewhere on that spectrum, but going in a different direction. I think Luke is focused much more on relationships, connections to people, and especially connections to those who would be considered outsiders. Now, this makes total sense to my mind, because Luke, first of all, he's Greek, and uh, so he's one of those outsiders. Uh, but he's also the one of the traveling companions of Paul when he's on his missionary journeys to the Gentiles. And in the book of Acts, which Luke also writes, there is this ongoing controversy, maybe the, the singular greatest problem for the church in the book of Acts, is what to do with these outsiders, what to do with these Gentiles. And so this idea that people might be included outside of any kind of blood ties was really a difficult concept. So first of all, Luke points out, uh, highlights Jesus's teaching that there are certain things that are going to be revealed and they need to be made known widely and they're going to be difficult to accept. But for those who can accept them, it's going to lead into more things. For those who can't accept them, they're going to lose even what they have. And I think one of those hidden things is this idea that the family of God is not going to be defined primarily by blood ties to an ancestor, Abraham, but rather we can be spiritually children 
of Abraham through the blood of Jesus. So it's not our the, the blood of our parents that matters. It's the blood of Jesus that ties us together as a spiritual family. And then immediately as kind of an example of that, Luke includes the story of when Jesus's mother and brothers came to see him. And, and Jesus highlights that, no, it's those who do the word of God who are my true mother and brothers. And that really fits in with the preceding parable about the sower. Uh, you know, there's four different soils and the one good soil was the one that actually not just received the word of God, but actually actively clung to it and, and produced a harvest uh, from it. But again, for Luke, in his context, this was a very upsetting, revolutionary truth, the idea that the kingdom of God would be measured not by bloodlines, but by Jesus's blood. And of course, when we see Peter accepting this truth in the book of Acts, Peter, it actually takes divine intervention. Really, this, this move forward would require God actually intervening. And I think that's exactly what we see in the next part, uh, the last part of this passage we're talking about today with the calming of the wind and the waves. Uh, uh, God is intervening. Jesus is intervening, showing that he has the authority, that he can command even these the wind and the waves. He can command nature and the spiritual realms themselves. And so he has the authority to declare that those who are made clean in the blood of Jesus are part of the family. So that's the way I see these tying together. Obviously, there's there's other, maybe even more primary meetings uh, to each of these. But I think the reason why Luke groups them together in this way to my mind, is that he's really highlighting this revolutionary truth that we are all invited into the family of God. So that's a great personal application. But the, the other application is we have to recognize that these other people who we normally maybe wouldn't want anything to do with otherwise, they can be part of the family of God too. And we love each other. If for no other reason at all, we love each other because they too are connected by the blood of Jesus. So anyway, that's what I see in today's passage. Uh, Dave, I'm wondering what you see here. Yeah, well, it's great. I really like the way you kind of uh, pulled these things. The ILOC is actually very distinct, um, but, you know, you kind of helped us find a through line. I think it's great. Uh, maybe what I'm going to do is actually kind of just dive in a couple of the details that I see in each of these uh, that I think are, are, are uh, unique to each of the sections. I think the first one that sticks out to me in, in verse six, uh, the first 16 says, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. The lamp is placed on a stand. And the, and the whole idea in the beginning, Jesus says, we're told that, you know, Jesus is the light that came into the world. So Jesus is the light. But then later on, he's going to actually say to the, the you know, the ch early church, right? Said, you are the light of the world. And remember, a light, right? The whole point of a light is not to stare at the light. You know, that actually helps you see worse if you stare right at a light. The point of the light is actually to, not to see the light, but to see everything else by the light, right? And so Jesus helps us see not just God, but ourselves as we really are, who we really are, the world as it actually is. So, you know, a lamp is placed on a stand. Again, not so that everybody can, you know, kind of sit at the, the around the edges of the stand and just stare up at this light. No, it's because that then is going to allow the, the light to penetrate into every part of the room. And in the same way as Christians, our job is to go out into every part of society and, and help people just by the, the way that we are able to speak about reality and the reality that we experience, that we help people see God better and themselves better and our world better, right? Because we're there. So then uh, moving to that second section, 
Uh, you talked already about how important that sense of family identity was. And now Jesus is saying that uh, you know, he's kind of recasting that and saying, no, there is a more primary identity even than your biological family or your heritage. Uh, and so you're right. For the Gentiles hearing this, knowing we're not second class citizens just because we're not Jews, uh, man, that's so valuable, right? That all of us are family, not based on our genetics, but based on our response to God, and I actually think this is a, a controversial but important point. You know, people like to say, oh, we're all children of God. That's sort of true. The real truth is we are all creations of God. We are all created in God's image. But the children of God is a, a designation that is reserved for the people who are following God as a father, who are in the family, rather than those who were rebelling and running away. And so Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are everyone God made. And that's not what he says in verse 21. He says, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word. But even that's not enough. Hear God's word and obey it. Right? That, that there is a response required. And it's those of us who've heard the word, and responded with faith. We've given over our lives. That, then, is what forms the family of God. So everyone is precious. Not everyone is family. You know, we, we want to just be so inclusive of everyone that what we end up doing is excluding the possibility of living distinctive lives. But we do actually have a mutual responsibility for all the other folks in our family, right? That's what family does. It binds us together in a way that we actually not just have mutual affection, but mutual responsibility, which means that all those believers over in, in Uganda that we were raising money for during the Christmas concert, they're not just, you know, uh, other people. They're not just strangers. They're family because they belong to Jesus. And so being able to understand that it's, it's not charity to take care of them. It's family to take care of them. God has made us one. Uh, then the last point I'll make, I, you know, you already talked a little bit about, you know, Jesus' power being shown in the, the calming of the storm. Um, the, uh, you, any of you who've been following along for a long time with us uh, have heard me talk about the fact that in the Bible, the, the river is always an allegory for life and vitality, right? Which is why Eden is defined by the four rivers. And and, and that in eternity, right, in the every end of Revelation, that there's the city with a river running down the center of it, right? The, the Jordan River is this central place. Rivers are a source of life in the Bible. Seas are, are, are a place of chaos, right? Fear, terror, it's just anything goes, you know, danger. And so what's happening here is that the, they're out on the, the, the sea and a storm comes up right? Danger, chaos. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen here? And Jesus is perfectly at peace in the middle of it. And so then they go wake him up shouting, master, master, we're going to drown. They're trying to get him to take their fear, right? You should have, God, Jesus, you should have the same fear that we have. And Jesus gets up, rebukes the wind and the raging waves, which again, to people who thought of, of seas representing the ultimate uncontrolled chaos, that Jesus was able to control it, not with some, you know, incredible effort, but simply by just be still, just the word of his mouth. And then the storm stops and all is calm. 
You can imagine their minds being blown. And he asks, where's your faith? You wanted me to have your fear. I'm asking you to have my faith. You don't need to be afraid in the middle of storms. Right? It, it's okay. If you're, if you're with me, yeah, you might get into some storms. But you don't need to be afraid there. To me, that really is one of the most important pieces of this. And, uh, you know, there's a, a, a down in my, my um, dining room, I've got a, a Rembrandt, not an original, you know, it's just a print. Uh, but I've got a, a print of a Rembrandt. It's the um, Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And it's this incredible dynamic print. It's so beautiful. Uh, and on the, the, the front of the boat are half the disciples who are, are fighting and pulling the ropes and doing all the stuff. They do. And in the, in the back, you see the group of ones who are yelling at Jesus, right? They're, they're kind of angry. And in the middle is one figure who's staring right at us. And it's the self-portrait of Rembrandt. And he's saying, I'm in between this thing. And in the middle of the chaos, the, the people who, who yell at God and, and want him to be as upset as we are, and the people who say, well, turn their back, literally, in this case, in the painting on, on Jesus, say, I'll do it myself, thanks. And he's trying to figure out, what do I do here? Right? That's really the, the, the dynamic meaning of that painting. And I think that's the question that all of us need to do when we're in the middle of a storm. What am I going to do? Am I going to yell at God? It shouldn't be this way. What are you doing? Why are you going to let us down? Or should I just go off and do it myself? Hmm. Either of those is quite thing. And, and this is the, the, the painting captures that second right before Jesus tells the storms to stop. And, and you can already see, you know, as, it, as it's the boat still in the storm that already on the horizon, just total clear sky. And, and so it's like it's in that moment that he's realizing this is the test of faith. And I think for a lot of us, that's where the test of faith is going to come. It's not what I say in church on Sunday. It's what I say in the middle of the storm on Wednesday. That actually is the test of my faith. Oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to have to go look <laughs> look up that picture as soon as we're done here. Um, I, I also love that invitation that we can bring our fear to Jesus and Jesus gives his faith to us. Uh, and I'd love that for all of us today. So Dave, I'm wondering if you'd be willing to pray for us. Of course, let's pray together. Lord, we are so easily made afraid. When things are out of our control, we think they are out of control. But Lord, nothing, nothing is beyond your control. Not even for a moment. God, I pray that you would give us your faith instead of taking on our fear. God, you are the one in whom we can trust. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us today. I pray that God will give you his faith rather than our fear. Go in peace.